welcome to Vallejo's Community Presbyterian Church Sermon Podcast on Sunday, March 8th, 2020. The message is Jesus Turning the Tables in the Temple. The Old Testament scripture lesson this morning is Jeremiah 7, verses 1 through 11, and the New Testament lesson is Mark chapter 11, verses 12 through 21. Our New Testament lesson is a story of Jesus turning the tables in the temple. This story happens actually in all four Gospels. So today we're looking at Mark's version. And in Mark's version, it happens on that Monday of Holy Week. Starts at, we're starting today at verse 12 and going to verse 21. On the following day when they came from Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see perhaps he would find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season of figs. He said to it, may no one eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. Then they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who were selling and those who were buying in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. He was teaching and saying, Is it not written? My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. When the chief priests and the scribes heard it, they kept looking for a way to kill Jesus, for they were afraid of him, because the whole crowd was spellbound by his teaching. And when evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. In the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. Then Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, that fig tree you cursed has withered. Here ends the reading. But today I also brought a visual and video version of this reading as well to help bring this scene to life. The Holy Temple in Jerusalem had become a marketplace rather than a place of worship.
please join me in a word of prayer. Holy Spirit, we open ourselves to you, not just our minds, but the emotions that get stirred up inside of us. Sometimes you come to comfort us, O oh God, but sometimes you come to disrupt us. Help us to be open to however you need to come into our lives this day so that we might grow closer to you and live out your vision for the world and your kingdom come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Sometimes I'm surprised working with youth that they go, we've never heard this story in the Bible. It's not one of the pretty ones. It's not talking about helping the Good Samaritan. It's not talking about seeds growing. No, this is when Jesus is disrupting. He's angry. And as one of our guest speakers in the Honoring God and One of Each Other, each other Honoring God and One Another class said, This is when you call him Jesus Flippin' Tables Christ. He is turning things upside down. The advantage this year of our Lenten series of slowing down is that we get to look at this more in depth and to put this incident into this larger context, this larger context of Holy Week and of the temple. And in doing so and with this series, I'm learning things right along with you. And my own assumptions and what I thought I knew and thought I understand, understood about this incident expanded and changed a bit this week as I studied and read and prepared for this message this morning. The first thing I learned is the size of the temple. So go ahead and flip to the next. There should be, a, yeah. So um, this is, there's a museum in, in Jerusalem, and this is like a model, one whatever its size. And so if you can see, what's on the bottom is the temple, and then the city is below it. It is the temple complex is huge. Flip to the next slide. Right? You can, the temple's in the middle, and then that white area around it, that's all the courtyard. Next slide. And here's sort of a schematic of it. So that whole temple area was probably 12 football fields. It's huge. And so the thing that I learned is although Jesus came and turned over those tables, it's not the same thing as if he walked into our church and turned over this table, right? He's, he's turning over some tables, and the people on the other side, they don't even know what he's doing. So yes, it is disruptive and symbolic, but it is not like he disturbed everything that was going on. The second thing that I learned and got surprised about is I thought I knew why Jesus was so angry. As I had heard and learned the story, it was that Jesus was angry because the money changers were charging an unfair fee and that the animal sellers were also overcharging in that huge courtyard area. But I learned this week that it's not so clear that this is what was going on. 
there's not really support for that in the biblical text. And some biblical scholars, such as Amy Jill Levine, who wrote the book Entering the Passion of Jesus, on which this whole series is based, pointed this out in her book. She reminds us that sacrifices are an ordinary part of what happens in the temple, and money changing is an ordinary part of what happens in the temple. And so this scene in the courtyard is perhaps less like church and more like a swap meet or farmer's market with booths and tents. And the video did a nice job of showing that. Yeah, there's money changers and there's dove sellers and there's oranges and there's cabbages. Because the temple at that time was almost like a tourist destination, especially during Passover. And the people who were visiting actually needed those vendors. They needed the money changing because you couldn't make your offering to the temple with a coin that had a foreign god on it. The offerings at the temple couldn't have the face of a false god, and so they needed to be changed to Tyronean shekels. And same thing with sacrifices. A sacrifice was a live animal, but also was expected to be unblemished, to not have scars on its body. And it's kind of difficult to transport a live animal from your town in the countryside two days walk away, get it all the way into Jerusalem without it having a sprained ankle or, you know, getting scraped up on the thorns on the way in. And so it is part of the regular commerce to have a place to get an unblemished, appropriate animal right at the temple courtyard. The other thing about that courtyard is we think about the people who are excluded in the temple, but the courtyard area was an inclusive area. It was actually built and expanded by Herod the Great, and it was the place that the Gentiles were welcome to be. And so when we think we know what was happening with the pricing and what Jesus was upset about, Perhaps we've missed this larger context. I guess I think about it today like, you know, there might be city prices versus country prices or kind of like airport prices versus regular prices. It might have been a little bit higher, but not so much as that people would protest it and not pay it. So then if Jesus isn't angry about the financial prices in the marketplace, then what, wait, what is he angry about? And he's angry before he even shows up at the temple. What about this fig tree business? Okay, I'm a, I'm a gardener, and I grow fruit trees, and it bothers me that Jesus curses and destroys a tree. Um, and, and he's cursing it, saying, well, it's not the season for figs. So I want to shake Jesus and be like, Jesus, then you don't get to be mad that the fig tree is not putting out figs in March. They don't produce till late summer. Can you give the fig tree a break? <laughs> like, fig, right, figs come out in August around here, right? Um, but alas, 
I'm reading the text like a gardener and not like a storyteller, and perhaps too literally, because this cursing of the fig tree is a symbolic literary device. Notice how we talk about the fig tree before the temple and right after the temple. They're there to kind of be the bookends to what's happening in between. Jesus was looking symbolically to a fig tree to provide figs. That's what fig trees do. He was hungry and looking for nourishment, and the fig tree failed to do that. And he's frustrated and curses the tree. It's almost as if Jesus is saying to the fig tree, you had one job, and you didn't do it. I was expecting something good, and I didn't get it. And so I'm done with you. And I am speaking for myself here. I get way more frustrated if my hopes are high and they get, they get brought down to size. It's like going to a top-rated restaurant and getting lackluster service and mediocre food. I don't expect amazing food from the fast food joint. But if there's all this hype and then it doesn't deliver, then I get a little disgruntled. Well, the temple in Jerusalem was the five-star restaurant, the top attraction, the place to model what faithfulness to Yahweh looked like. It is the temple. It was created to be the purpose for the center of worship and the community of faithful people, but it wasn't producing not because there were so many vendors in the courtyard, but perhaps for other reasons. And this phrase, you have made this a den of robbers, is our clue. You have made my house a den of robbers comes from the Old Testament text that Terry read for us this morning, out of Jeremiah. Flip back and take a look at it. This is a prophecy from Jeremiah where the Lord said to Jeremiah, go stand at the gate of the temple and say to all the people of Judah, amend your ways and your doings. Let me dwell with you in this place. Do not trust in the deceptive words. This is the temple of the Lord. But if you truly amend your ways and your doings, if you truly act justly with one another, if you do not oppress the alien, the orphan, the widow, or shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not go after other gods of your own hurt, then I will dwell with you in this place. But instead, you're just trusting in the words Will you keep going on doing what you do every day, but then come to the temple, come to this house, which is called by God's name, and said, we're safe. Has this house, has this house of worship become a den of robbers? The phrase den of robbers is intriguing because if you think about it, the den is not where the robbers go to steal. You know, you go somewhere else and you steal the loot, and then what do you do in the den? You bring it back, and you count it, where you know that you're not going to have somebody 
looking over your shoulder. It's the place to go and be safe and comfortable enough to let down your guard. It's the place to be protected from discovery. So if Jesus is angry about a den of robbers, then Jesus is angry and disappointed at this whole place, both the buyers and the sellers, both the priests and the pilgrims, both the upper classes and the poor, because he looked around at the temple expecting that it would be providing nourishment, a place of worship, and instead found a den of robbers. There's blasé cooperation with the imperial powers. There's complacency and acceptance of the ongoing injustice. Oh, the poor will always be with us. And there's also business as usual, while forgetting that God is real and near and in their midst. Jesus is mad because the people say, this is the temple. But Jesus notices that it has lost its core identity and purpose, just like the fig tree. And if I'm honest, this is where I start to squirm and get uncomfortable a bit because uh, this accusation from Jeremiah and the anger and disappointment of Jesus could apply to the Presbyterian Church USA. After all, we like things done decently and in order. We like things safe. We like to dress up and meet our friends. We like the church service to be predictable and to get out in an hour or maybe an hour and five. We like hearing that we are loved and forgiven and that everything is okay with the world. But is it? And is that what church is here and meant to be? Or if Jesus was here, would he walk in and shake things up? One of the jobs of a preacher is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. And today's text is one of perhaps doing both. For the people who are used to being afflicted go, hey, there's something going on here. But the people who are comfortable go, hey, there's something going on here. Whoever you are in this story, it is not an easy one to forget or ignore. So again, using some art and imagination, I'm going to invite us to a time of putting either yourself individually, or if you want to, think about church and a community as a whole, and take a look at this scene, either on the screen or if it's more comfortable for you, right in front of you. What do you notice in the whole picture? We'll zoom in on Jesus there on the, with the red sash across him. Look at what Jesus is doing. I wonder how Jesus might be feeling. 
Now we'll zoom in on the man on the other side of the table, the one with the white round hat. Might be a man, might be a woman. Hmm. Look at what that person is doing. I wonder how that person might be feeling. Next, there's this man in black with birds on his head. Look at what he's doing. I wonder how he's feeling in this moment. And look at the people on the far left, the ones who are talking with one another, whispering and dialoguing. Look at what they're doing. Look at their faces. I wonder how they are feeling, or the multitudes of feelings from what they see that day. And looking at the whole picture again then, I wonder, out of those faces, today, who you might be in this story, who you relate to. I wonder who Community Presbyterian Church as a whole might be in this story. And I wonder how you are feeling when Jesus comes to overturn these tables in the temple. You have been listening to Community Presbyterian Church Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Community Presbyterian Church and its ministries, come visit us at 2800 Georgia Street in Vallejo, California, or visit our website, cpcvallejo.org. You can also email us at cpcvallejo at sbcglobal.net. Have a blessed day.